Welcome to the Unfinished Work Show. I am your host, Mike Lake. This is episode 14, The Lies We Tell Ourselves. Thank you for joining me each week as we do this work together. Now, I want you to stop lying to yourself. Just stop lying. Just stop lying to yourself. We all hate liars and really not sure why we lie. And I know some of you out there are probably thinking, not me, I'm not a liar. As the title informs, we all tell these little lines or lies to ourselves uh, that will keep us just from doing any old thing. Now, for some, it might be as small as uh, I'll start my diet on Monday. It could be as big as not starting that business or ending that relationship or whatever it is that you're dealing with. We all come up with excuses and these little Things that are going to keep us in the places that we exist in. Now, the lies we tell ourselves become the cages that hold us back from completing our goals. Self-awareness is really the clearest path for you to get to where you want to be. And in order to complete those goals, you really got to stop lying to yourself. You got to be honest. I believe it was Socrates who said that false words are not evil in themselves but they infect the soul. And what he basically is implying there that the words themselves aren't inherently evil, but it's what it does to ourselves that really stops us from growth. And like I said a second ago, if if these lies are the cages that keep us where we are, then you can't grow bigger than the cage that you're in. You've, we've all heard the adage about the, the fish in the aquarium or the uh, let's just say like the orca in the tank or whatever, whatever euphemism or not euphemism, whatever uh, metaphor or analogy you want to use in order to drive this point home. Just understand that when you create a cage to hold yourself in, nobody can let you out except yourself. So I want you to stop lying and join me on the Unfinished Work Show as we break down the lives we tell ourselves. Some common lies, and I was doing research for this, generally searching like the Reddit forums and the internet. Uh, I even jumped on ChatGPT for a second to do some exploring to try to see what the interwebs is saying about lies people tell themselves. One of the things that we'll tell ourselves in order to, I guess, kind of prevent or sabotage ourselves from chasing that goal is that we're not good enough. Now, the not good enough thing it has a lot of ties. It could be wound up in your self-esteem, past traumas, uh, other failures. Uh, there's a lot of things happening there. And even on this show, we've talked in the past about uh, the inner voice, the things that you tell yourself. And not being good enough is a is a hard one to tackle without like therapy. Um, and the reason I think so, I guess my opinion, is basically that if you're telling yourself you're not good enough, then you're holding yourself back. I can't do anything other than tell you that I don't believe what you're telling yourself. And then we have a conflict that essentially I'm telling you that I don't believe you about what you say about yourself. Now, now I know that was a a real loaded uh, messaging in in that in that uh, explanation. But the short version is this. How do you know you're not good enough to do the thing? I, I believe 
in most arenas that we've all competed in um, or, or existed in, there's some outside governing body that uh, governing body that does the, you know, let's say you're trying out for a team. There's a, another person like a coach or a team of coaches who have the opportunity to evaluate you. Uh, if you're going, let's say, for some type of job, you have an interviewer. If you are going up for whatever, whatever it is, there's going to be some outside governing body that has the authority or at least the objectivity to be able to sit back and say whether you're good for something or not. Now, as it relates specifically to goals, if your goal is to start a business or something like that, we got to be a little bit reasonable. Let's say you're not going to be the next great chef, but you can't cook anything but a bologna sandwich. Um, yeah, you might not be good enough, but that doesn't mean that you lack the ability to learn. Uh, what you should do is get some kind of training, join an apprenticeship, uh, internship. Those are essentially the same thing, depending on what you're doing, whether it's a trade or a job. You could go to school the old-fashioned way. YouTube uh, University is a new-fashioned way. And there are a host of others, like Skillshare is an online thing, and uh, I don't have a sponsorship from them yet, but it's one that gets heavily promoted on podcasts and on uh, YouTube videos. But there's master classes. There's this, that, and the third, the fourth, and the fifth for you to be able to try to gain some kind of semblance of here's the information you need to do the thing that you want to do. And you can't be the one to govern yourself to say you're not something. I wouldn't begin anything by saying I'm not good enough without a healthy dose of, well, yeah, if you don't know, like, I don't know how to ride. I was going to say a dirt bike, but I probably do. I know how to ride motorcycles. But if you don't, I, for instance, I can't fly jets. Right now, I have zero skills. So right now, I'm not good enough. But that's not a barrier to entry for me. If I wanted to learn how to fly jets, I'll pursue that path and go join a military, uh, one of the military services, or uh, get my pilot's license or, or whatever. Buy a drone, like my drone right here. Do something to start taking steps in the direction towards what you want to do rather than just simply telling yourself you're not good enough. So another one that I see came up a lot was it's too late. And that is a crazy lie to tell yourself when there's so much evidence to the contrary that immediately proves you wrong. Just a simple Google search. I didn't go crazy. I didn't do anything extra. Just hopped on Google and typed uh, successful people that started late. And some of the doper ones, there was a long list, but some of the most notable ones Sam L. Jackson, one of the great actors of our day, uh, man never misses. Uh, let me not get into all of that. This isn't that kind of show. But in terms of acting, he brings it. He, he's been in every big role in every universe and every, every level. Uh, that man started his first big role, I believe it was noted as uh, he was 41 years old in 1991. That he had some smaller roles like, you know, pop-up stuffs. But his first big break, and I don't remember the movie off the head, but you start your acting career at 41. I know a lot of people that are falling off or retiring at that age in that career. Uh, Martha Stewart didn't start chefing up or at least didn't uh, publish her first book until she was 41. And um, Toni Morrison did, wrote uh, her novel that eventually won her to Pulitzer and the Nobel Peace Prize, I believe. Uh, her first book was at 42. And then she got the Peace Prize at 56, I want to say. I don't know. Do your research like I did. Just do your Googles. I'm doing a show. But the gist of it is this. A quick Google search will show you a list of people. I think even the dude who started Zoom in 2019 
was like 41 when he did it. He was already some kind of computer engineer. He founded it, and we know what happened next. COVID, boom, 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 zoom, zoom. Um, I didn't mean to do that. That was weird. Erase that from your memories. But anyway, late starts. Those are just like majorly successful people. But even in, in my personal life, I've seen my parents, like my father got his degree. Um, I don't remember which degree, but he got his degree later in life. I want to say in his 50s. I seen him play football or uh, semi-pro in his 30s. That's just him. That's one man. Uh, there are a host of others. I could be here all day, but if you want to do the thing, do the thing. And we live in this country. If you're watching us in America, we live in a country that offers the opportunity for you to just pivot and make a change. And to tell yourself something's too late is very odd because I don't I don't recall uh, anyone checking IDs when you're doing something. I, I remember. Um, ooh, I'm drawing a blank. One of the guys I follow online, a photographer guy. His dad started a, a a web series online showing people how to do simple uh, tasks with tools. You know, dad type stuff. And man's like 60. And he jumped into this thing with no help from his son, who's a prominent YouTuber. And uh, in your 60s, just to do something like that is really cool. And I'm sure if I really, really tried, and if you did too, you could easily debunk this lie you're telling yourself by just doing some research figuring out what's what and man if you're anything short of 90 you got time i think i hope i pray <laughs> anyway it's never too late start that thing do that thing uh, i was even doing a different podcast for the last five years and started this one it's the first thing i've ever done solo like this and uh not that i've made it big yet but once i make it big and y'all come back to episode 14 and say, oh, man, he, he called it. I'm calling my shot. Any case, it's never too late. Do the thing. Stop lying to yourself. In the midst of the search or research, I should say, for this episode, I wanted to try to, like, create. And this is just like a moment of honesty. I just wanted to create, like, some kind of cool alliterative uh, thing so you could remember. And I was just, for whatever reason, I was stuck on the three C's. And the three C's of lying to yourself according to me, Mike Lake, uh, consists of curation, conflation, and consternation. Now, <laughs> I will admit, I, I'm totally being honest, that last one is super forced. I forced that joint. I put a crowbar in it, and I, I forced it. Uh, but consternation is um, anxiousness or anxiety about a thing. Neither here nor there. Let's start with the first one, curation. So curation the thing I found most interesting, and I, I want to say not just in my research, just in my experience and conversations, having these conversations with people um, by talking as much as I do. If you know me, you know I talk a lot. I, I found that it, to an interesting degree, people will curate their lives or curate their memories. They'll curate their the things that they experienced into this story. And... I'm sure there's some kind of professional term for it, but basically they'll just distill whatever happened to a point and they'll just live on that point and giving everyone a lot of grace. Cause I'm sure, you know, there's some heavy stuff people have dealt with such as trauma. There's some emotional stuff like cheating and, and bad relationships or, you know, just unreliable family members and things of that nature that I by no means am saying you didn't experience it. 
But I've even seen trivial situations happen in front of me and then someone retell that story in such a way that paints them in a, a totally different light, uh, either diminish or diminish, minimizes their involvement or their uh, effect on the situation or in the opposite, maybe inflates it if it's like a positive story. <laughs> um, comedically enough, this, this isn't a, obviously a negative one, but a positive one. I remember, and Steve will remember this. I hope he see this. There was a time when I guess we must have just told this story about something that happened to me and our other friend Los. Uh, we just told this story so many times, and it was so funny that somehow Steve, like just months later, was just telling us a story. It wasn't a lie. I think he thought he was actually there, and he told this story to us, and we were like, "I remember that happening, but I don't remember you being there." And we all laughed about it. We were kids. But that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Just this like bad memory version of remembering something a certain way and retelling it in such a way that changes what actually happened. Now, the bad part about curation and there are other ways curation pops up, like social media is one of the biggest ways you might see someone be legitimately depressed, actually going through something and holding such a weight that you can't believe they then pop up on socials with these happy smiley pictures or we've all seen like the the Robin Williams uh post you know, posthumous posts about him where you know they would show versions of him being happy or acting in scenes or making us laugh and then people would always lament that it's sometimes it's the the happiest among us that actually are carrying the most weight and and RIP to him and those who are afflicted by the thing that he suffered from and the way he uh, went about handling it. I don't wish that on any family or anybody that they go that route. I'm a big advocate for call somebody, talk to somebody, ask for some help. Uh, Don't try to handle it yourself. But I digress. Uh, Curation. He curated specifically a series of images to, to, you know, paint the world in a positive light and to help people be happy and laugh. But behind the scenes, he was suffering And a lot of times you'll see that online and not even to such a high degree of suffering, but just realistically, people post pictures and make them look like they always winning. Like they always got the cool thing going on. They're always on the best trips. Christmas was lit. My kid got straight A's and the things they don't want you to see, they certainly aren't going to post it. And I don't suggest that they do, but I do caution each person that's listening to me to just look at your posts, go to your page, view your own page on whatever social site and just see what message you're putting out to the world and how you curated that message and what it's telling people. Because in a way you might be hindering yourself uh, by misrepresenting yourself. You're definitely lying to those around you, but mostly to yourself, because in a lot of ways you might have that facade of, of what, you know, whatever you're trying to portray riches or happiness or whatever, but behind the scenes really be dealing with something and instead of seeking the help that you need or instead of sharing or growing or pursuing goals like we, we started to talk about here to change your circumstance, you actually are living in the curated version of what you created in your in the, in the online and not living it for real. And that could be real detrimental to your health in the long term and affect those around you. So be careful of conf- uh, curation. 
and and stick steer clear to unreliable narrator if you're not familiar with that term it is a is a writing term mostly used in movies uh a most recent popular example that i can think of is joker uh the joaquin phoenix version where uh he in that sh- that movie did a great job of depicting it he was dealing with some mental illness and in his mind he was living this whole other life that wasn't really happening in real life and once you see behind the curtain and you see that break, it's a real interesting insight into like someone who's actually mentally ill and what they may be believing and telling themselves and how it informs their behavior. So long speech short, watch your curation, see what image you're putting out there to the world. And hopefully while you're curating this image for others, there are some people on your side of the curtain that can listen to you and, and and help share the the brunt of whatever it is you're carrying. So uh, salute to everybody that's trying to do something. Don't curate your, your messages or at least don't lie to yourself and believe the curation. Cut through that. So I was listening to, I don't remember, it was a book or something. At, at this point, we have to have a word for I saw this somewhere, but I don't know what form of content it was. I either read it or read it, uh, audible it or internet searched it, YouTube. It could have been anywhere. I consumed some information and it was a psychologist. Uh, basically, they were saying that our brains are wired in such a way to create comfort. We avoid trauma or even in a lot of ways, negative feelings make us feel uncomfortable. And if you're not careful when you're lying to yourself, you might be playing into certain parts in your own brain that are seeking a certain level of comfort that may not actually exist. So what the psychologist was basically saying on two fronts, while in our conscious mind on purpose, we're ignoring whatever it is we're dealing with behind the scenes, there may be physiological uh, responses like health responses to whatever it is that you're dealing with, if if you're not actually comfortable, for example, or if you're actually avoiding trauma, that could be manifesting in different ways, like inability to sleep, uh, which essentially I could have just said insomnia. Uh, insomnia, bad diet, outbursts, you know, social ramifications, and, and so on, that uh, our brains are going to seek that comfort and create that comfort, uh, no matter what, in some cases. And if we're not careful as we proceed through the world while we're telling ourselves certain things, we start to react to those. Uh, I think the psychologist even went on to tell a story about, you know, I don't even want to get into that. It, it was about the R word and, and how they had encountered a patient that basically, and I said, I didn't want to get into it and I'm telling y'all, but I'm a steer. I'm a tap dance. Essentially that this person had some mental health stuff and this, incident may not have happened but he didn't basically uh impose his doctrine onto the patient he allowed the patient to talk so he was basically in that particular case he was giving advice about listening and not waiting to respond even as a psychologist uh and how that could negatively affect somebody i guess what i'm saying how it relates to what I, what i was just saying a second ago if someone's curating their life in such a way to avoid something serious, you can put your doctrine on them <clears throat> and either inflate or deflate the situation in such a way that allows them to help fabricate that that world that they're creating. Uh, 
So if someone's lying to themselves and you mishandle this situation, or maybe you lying to yourself too, not you and them lying to y'all selves together, not y'all lie buddies, just be careful that, that in the pursuit of seeking comfort and not consciously processing what's happening, what do you want to do and the path or the, the steps that it's going to take to get there, uh, you might curate or even conflate in some cases uh, meaning out of something that didn't happen. It's like arriving at, at this point that, um, like if I decided I've been, you know, the victim mentality, people have been victimized and you could have been victimized, but a conflation is essentially you saying that even following that victimization, everybody's out to get you, which isn't realistic. And, while you're over here conflating, you're also keeping yourself from moving forward. You're keeping yourself from growing. And anybody attached to you is kind of subject to your conflation and the the lie that you're telling yourself. Imagine this. The lies that you tell that you tell yourself become the lies that affect the people around you, your kids, your spouses, your friends, your family. And unfortunately it's not that hard to fabricate a world where things aren't real and you aren't reacting in such a real way ultimately just harming all the people around you so don't conflate just like curation curation is selectively choosing what you want people to see and or what you tell yourself um conflation is arriving at a at a point with two ideas that may or may not be true maybe built on your conflations and um deriving some type of meaning out of something you created in your head. So uh, try to steer clear of that. And I don't mean to laugh to trivialize it. I just laugh because <laughs> I just think it's such trivial times. I've seen people do this and exhibit this behavior and the outcomes that they arrive at or the stuckness they remain in, whether they be close friends of mine, mine. I don't know why I said mine like that. Uh, whether they be close friends of mine, people I know through passing or whatever, a friend of a friend or whatever, I've known of more than a few people to be stuck in a place and remain in that place, the cage that they created because they're over here conflating ideas and arriving at solutions that don't make sense because they know they made that thing up. Whew, Lord, this is a dense topic, but I'm trying to, I'm going to try to cut through it. Rock with me. And for the last one of the three C's, this is the forced one, but I think it actually might make the most point. Consternation. So an anxiety about something that may or may not exist that ultimately I'm, I'm not going to keep saying consternation, but ultimately that it's, it's what about ism. It's what about this? We we want to start a restaurant. What about the fact that most restaurants fail in the first two years? What does that have to do with you? What does that have to do with the pursuit of your goal and the lessons that you learn from the losses? And the highs that you get from the wins. What about, you know, I want to start a podcast. Everybody got a podcast. So, the, name a podcast that you didn't know about two years ago that's popular now. And ask, or just not ask them if you can't reach them, but research their story about how that thing began. Most people started with an idea. They turn on a microphone they started sharing a unique point of view about a topic they were familiar with and or passionate about. And then others resonated with it and then push it forward. 
what about? What about? You know, rappers became famous. So let's not just say rappers. Musicians become famous every day. And there are millions of them. Actors become famous every day. There are underdog stories about people who are sleeping in cars and trying to do comedy. And all of a sudden they blow up. I wouldn't even say all of a sudden. That's demeaning or diminishing. Through perseverance and hard work, they blew up. But in an unlikely story, a lot of people who are successful had no silver spoon or no platter to, to pull from and made that thing happen. And they never would have made it happen if they kept telling themselves these little tiny lies like, what about this person? What about that person? What about this idea? What about the fact that? Et cetera, so on and so forth. Um, it all boils down to fear. And truthfully, like, just think about what a lie is, right? We all grew up with knowing right from wrong. And at a point, we learned that wrong sometimes is the easiest way to get the thing. And every time we've lied to do something like that, and I say we, we as kids, like children, toddlers, whatever, there's a negative feeling associated with that. So we want to hide from that. We want to we want to not always tell the truth because sometimes the truth is you did do the thing or whatever. You you ate the cookie or, or whatever lie kids tell. Uh, my son's 18, so it's been a while. But even in, in our adult lives, we, we lie sometimes to spare people from unnecessary hurt or harm. But then there are other times where people lie to gain and, and come up on something. Um, and all of it's based in fear. It's just the fear being found out, the fear being seen. Uh, a lot of times, if we're talking specifically about goals and, and achievement, a lot of people will lie to themselves to avoid the loss. They never play the game, so they never lost the game. And they always forever have the story of, we, we've seen these people, the person who's perpetually starting that thing. That business, this idea, this, you know, catering company, this whatever, whatever. I'm, you know, pursuing whatever degree or, or going to start making their shirts or selling their plates or whatever they're doing. They're perpetually doing it. And they might dabble in it, put a little toe in it here and there. But overall, they never really take the steps that they can to, to do the thing that they want to do because they're scared. They, they're scared of being seen. They're scared of whatever hesitations they, they've heard. They may have even been party or privy. Neither of those words fit what I want to actually say. They may have been a participant in fearfully stopping someone else's dream because of their own fear. I don't think I can do it, so you shouldn't do that. But then it comes time for them to step up and do the thing they've been talking about. And they don't they don't want to be on the record as having failed the thing. Fear of failure is the easiest way to never start something i failed more than a few times rarely a class because i'm super smart and humble uh but honestly i try things I, even in this game I, I start shows or produce shows i test new stuff i try to learn new skills i try to attempt uh different things outside of my comfort zone and they don't always land i don't always land on my feet it feels like a dig at myself but you don't always win. And that's also how you know <clears throat> when people are curating their message, when every story is a win, we know life don't work that way. We know that you don't 
just come out of the womb ready made and trained like like one of those guys from the matrix just downloading the information and being perfect at whatever you do the first time you start a show like a podcast you'll stumble you'll mess up you'll forget to turn on a microphone or something uh you'll mess up the lighting you'll mess up the angles but then when you're doing it as long as i have five six years you'll get comfortable and then you'll still make mistakes you can't fear the losses because then you'll never learn anything. Kids have this uncanny ability to just do stuff because they don't know what it is to, to lose. Look what I can do. Then you just do the thing. If it sucks, it sucks, whatever. They draw that thing. They pursue that thing. They start to eliminate Stan. Uh, kids are good in some ways, there's some lessons to learn from, from watching kids. They're a good rubric to to judge how you should be pursuing your goals and your things. Don't tell me you don't have the knowledge. Don't tell me you're not good enough. Don't tell me it's too late. Don't tell yourself that the life you're currently living is comfortable because then you wouldn't have a goal that says otherwise. Setting a goal says you want something to change, and not necessarily that is bad, but it can be improved. Don't tell me that the world you created is holding you back. You're not always a victim. And certainly don't tell me that your own consternation. I'm still trying to force that third C. The three C's of lies, curation, conflation, and consternation. Um, but, but that your own consternation is the thing that gets to be the loudest voice in the room or in your head. If you can't tell, I don't like it. We all go through it. I have bouts of, I wanted to try that idea. And I say bouts because it's a moment. It's never stopped me. I, I move fearlessly through this world as best I can. And if I start to see that I'm holding myself back or, or creating or fabricating some ideas in my head that's holding me back, I check them like loudly. I've come on this show and told y'all here when I don't feel as confident. Like last week when I talked about just the, the, the show or confidence within my faith and to speak the things that I believe. In this episode, this, this is about accountability. Y'all know the facts. Faith, accountability, community, teaching, and self-care. That we talk faith. We'll talk about accountability this week. And I'll even slide a little teaser, not a teaser, but just a little reference. When you can't self-check like I do most times, then you lean on your community and let them check you. I, my spouse will check me ASAP. If I'm, if, if I'm doubting on myself, she'll boost me up. And if, <laughs> if I get too big ahead, she'll bring me down. My friends are really good keepers of my humility. And they try to remind me daily that I ain't everything I like to think I am. But in love, I say it in love. If y'all hear us talk, you, you get it. Hopefully you got some people around you like that. And if you don't, then pay someone. Uh, that, that conversation a psychologist was having about inner thoughts. He he went on to say, oh, I remember it's Jordan Peterson. Of course it's Jordan Peterson. I don't, what am I thinking? I was listening to his book, um, 12 whatever. So I literally drawn a blank. It's late. I've been up since like three. Um, either here or there. Basically, he went on to explain that the voices in our head, as they're seeking, as our brain seeks comfort, they be become unreliable. The information that you tell yourself about a situation probably isn't exactly what you heard, and it 
it's really hard for us to tell ourselves when something's not right about ourselves. We have an inflated view of ourselves or a deflated view of ourselves. But either way, we don't have an accurate measure of who we are and what we did in a certain situation. We're just blind to ourselves. It's like not being able to see your nose, even when you got a big nose like me. We're nose blind to our effect on situations and what we're doing and how we're doing them. And just like most humans in normal court, we're terrible witnesses. We are absolutely trash at being able to recount a situation as it happened in its truth and accuracy. And certainly our memories are terrible recalls. They're just not designed in such a way to recall information like that. We're not computers unless you have like adaptive memory or something like that. But truthfully, without going on a long tangent, this is something I even do at work. Uh, for those who know I'm a private investigator, if you don't, that's what I do. And I'll try to remember something that happened as I remember it. And I'll just to test myself playfully, type it out as I remembered it, and then watch the video to see what actually happened. You get the color of cars wrong, the thing someone did, the order they did it in. And imagine that's me on purpose at work observing somebody. How does that work when I'm talking about myself? You need people around you to tell you what's really happening. You need to be able to hold yourself accountable, but you need someone there who actually has the right story. And if you can't get any of those things or something that happened in the past or something that requires a higher level of help beyond what your circle of people can do, then pay someone. Go seek a therapist to sit down and rummage through your mind and help you process whatever's happening. Um, I want to say thank you to everybody for rocking with me. We come here every week to do this work and I'm, I'm working. I'm constantly working. I'm trying to consume as much content as I can for y'all. Um, in conclusion, as referenced to earlier, a prison of the mind is still a prison. Challenge your own inner narrative. Seek outside counsel. Keep doing this work. Each week before we get out of here, like I always want to tell y'all, remember to like and subscribe if you haven't done it already. Please leave a comment. I have a lot of people who text me or hit me up direct to tell me things. And, and I appreciate all the feedback and all the, the messages of love and responses to everything I'm doing. But it helps the channel out a lot when you do it within the spaces so the algorithm can understand that people like you are watching. So other people like us can find shows like this. I want you to remember three things before I get out of here. Always stick to the facts. The facts are my five principles I live by. Faith, accountability, community, teaching, and self-care. Remember, you're a work in progress. And he's not done with you yet. See you on Finished Work Show. I'll see y'all next week.